Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. See, Jesus Christ wants us to see that there is a battle. And as we look at the events in the book of Joshua, they speak to us of a spiritual conflict that is going on in everyone's life. All of you are in a battle. All of us are in a conflict. The sooner we realize that, the more we recognize that and prepare for that, the better our life will be in this world. Reaching up high with arms open wide we see You're changing our lives so we can be our hands and feet Do we see the spiritual battle that is raging around us? As Pastor Ed shares in his message, a relationship with Christ is more than just recognizing the sacrifice and goodness of God. We must see the battles that plague our daily lives as sin and Satan have entered our world. This is one of the ways to build in our intimacy and understanding of the heart of our Savior. It also fuels us to action in a broken and fallen world. Seeing all of the truth should transform our lives and bring a newfound maturity in Christ. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's edition of Building in Faith. Building in Faith. We're looking at Joshua chapter 5 and chapter 6. I'm not going to read all of chapter 6, but that will be the basis of my sermon. But I'd like to read beginning with chapter 5. Verse 13. Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What message does my Lord have for his servant? The commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Now Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I've delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. I'd like to read a quote. You are but a poor soldier of Christ. If you think you can overcome without fighting, and suppose you can have a crown without the conflict, you are but a poor soldier of Christ if you think you can overcome without fighting, and suppose you can have a crown without the conflict. The scriptures teach us that we are in a battle. There is no victory without the battle. There is no crown without the conflict. We are in a warfare. Our men squire sang, onward Christian soldiers, We sometimes sing choruses like, God's got an army marching through the land. 
These metaphors of the Christian life come right out of Scripture. For example, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, it says, Endure hardship with us like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets involved in civilian affairs. He wants to please his commanding officer. You've been enlisted in the Lord's army. And he is sending you into a battle. If we think the Christian life is just strolling through life, using God to get whatever we want, we're making a tragic mistake. And we're but poor soldiers. We're in a battle against sin. We're in a battle against Satan. We're involved in the conflict of the ages. This picture of Joshua surveying the walls of Jericho. Perhaps he was thinking about the depth of those walls and the width of those walls and the height of those walls. And he was thinking about his strategy and he was just all of a sudden. There's a theophany or a Christophany where Jesus appears in the Old Testament where Jesus appears outside the New Testament and the Old Testament, and here he appears to Joshua with a drawn sword. Now that'll get your attention. How many pictures of Jesus can you bring to your mind? Often those pictures of Jesus are Jesus holding a lamb. And that's a wonderful truth that expresses Jesus as our shepherd. Or Jesus knocking on the door. That represents Jesus knocking on the door of our hearts, seeking entrance, or Christ suffering on the cross for us. All of those pictures are beautiful pictures, and they depict an aspect of Christ. But there's another aspect. Jesus is a warrior. He is in control of all the angels of heaven. Remember in the garden, Peter took out his sword, sliced off the ear of the soldier, and Jesus performed a miracle, picked that ear up, put it back on the soldier, healed him. He said, don't you know, Peter, I can call legions of angels. See, we're talking about the captain of the host of the Lord. Joshua is there. And here, Christophany happens. Christ appears to Joshua. And Joshua says, whose side are you on? And I like the reply, neither. Neither. Joshua, the question is not whose side I'm on, it's whose side you're on. I've come to take over the whole operation. See, Jesus Christ wants us to see that there is a battle. And as we look at the events in the book of Joshua, they speak to us of a spiritual conflict that is going on in everyone's life. All of you are in a battle. All of us are in a conflict. The sooner we realize that, the more we recognize that and prepare for that, the better our life will be in this world. Three things. I want to wrap this message around. Wrath, warfare, and winning. Wrath, warfare, and winning. If you understand those things, 
You're going to have a clear understanding of the battle, the warfare. First point. Joshua 6.20 reads, When the trumpet sounded, the people shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the people gave a loud shout, oh, the wall collapsed. So every man charged straight in, and they took the city. They devoted the city to the Lord, and they destroyed with the sword every living thing, men, women, young, old, cattle, sheep, donkeys. When people come across this, they say, boy, I don't understand that. I picture God of the New Testament. But remember, this is Jesus leading the battle. Remember, this is Jesus leading the warfare. This is another aspect of Jesus where we're seeing the wrath of the Lamb of God. In Revelation, he's pictured as the one who holds the two-edged sword. He's the one coming back with vengeance. Here we have a picture of God's wrath poured out on a pagan people. You say, wait a minute, that's so unfair. Little infants, children, women, men, what a bloody battle. Well, before you judge God too harshly, I want you to think about his holiness. He is holy, and he is owner of this world. We are his creation, and God gave these Canaanites 400 years. In Genesis chapter 15, Abraham has a vision. And God shows him the future history of the Jewish people. He tells them they're going to be in captivity. And then he tells them that in the fourth generation, 400 years later, they were going to go into the promised land. And they were going to wipe out the inhabitants of the land. And he says this, in 400 years, the iniquity of the Amorites will be full. That's important to understand. God was patient. He is not willing that any should perish. And he, for a long time, waits patiently for these people to return. Now, think about Rahab there in the city of Jericho. When she met the spies, what did she say? We know God is God and that he has given you this land. The inhabitants of Jericho heard that. They knew that. See, they heard about what God did to the Egyptians in the Red Sea. They heard about how God defeated the enemies of the Israelites as they marched through the wilderness. Shion and King Og and, and, and what God did to defend his people. They witnessed the parting of the Jordan. And God, for seven long days, was giving them an opportunity to repent. They marched around that wall. And they marched around with the Ark of the Covenant, sort of at the center, and the trumpet of the priest blowing that trumpet, and they were declaring that God is God. The inhabitants could have come out and said, listen, we want your God. We repent. These people were wicked people. The land of Canaan was polluted. People were idolaters. They were involved in witchcraft. They were involved in all sorts of sexual immorality. They were involved in heinous sin. God has the right to judge. 
He is the judge of all the earth. God doesn't judge arbitrarily. It's not like someone with a blindfold and picking out um, the tail of the donkey in some game. Well, I'll try here. I'll stay up here or there. No. God's judgment is never arbitrary. It always fits the crime. It's always measured to the sin. God, historically, has judged this world. He sent a flood in Noah's day. He destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. These are all pictures of a final day of judgment. Some people are going to have a rude awakening. They've fabricated a God in their mind that merely pats them on the back and winks at their sin. Then some people who think they're Christians are going to wake up one day and they're going to be standing before a great white throne. And if you're standing before that great white throne, you just better give up the ghost because you're going to hell. There's a real place called hell. And God will judge the peoples of the earth for rejecting him, for spurning his laws, for turning aside from him. In Romans chapter 1, verse 18, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. God never judges at random. He always marshals his judgment to match our sin. In Romans 2.5 it reads, But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. Sin always leads to death. Sin will put you on the ash heap of life. Now, there are those in the congregation that could say, yes, we know. We've been there. Where we've found rebellion against God doesn't pay. It brings you to the point of destitution and destruction. It's a picture of the judgment. I believe God saw something else. He saw their sinful determination. God saw their determination to be a sinful people. They weren't going to change. They had set their hearts, set their minds. They weren't going to repent. No matter what God did, no matter what miracles he showed, do you know what the Bible text tells us? When the walls fell down, you know that the people in Jericho resisted? We're told that they fought. They fought futilely. They couldn't defend themselves because God was against them. They could have fell on their knees and pleaded for mercy. I believe that God put the story of Rahab in Jericho to show us that he will respond to a repentant heart. That he'll respond to someone, no matter what their past is, who cries out for mercy. But God also will judge sin. You don't get away with sin. Now God is too wise to make a mistake. He's too just to be unfair. And he's too good to do any wrong. He never makes a mistake when he judges. He's right on the money. You may have a twin sister or a twin brother. God won't make a mistake between you and them. 
One may live holy, one may live ungodly. God will judge righteously. One of the things that we must understand is that God's wrath will one day be poured out on this world. This world will be consumed in a bowl of fire. God will purge this world. We are in a conflict, but we're on the winning side. We are in the conflict of the ages, and it may seem that evil prevails for a time, but I want you to know that God will right every wrong. God will vindicate himself. Now, we've looked at God's wrath. I want us to look at the warfare. And in verses 1 to 17, it describes their warfare. Think about what a strange strategy this was. Have you ever read of a military campaign like this? Could you picture them at West Point teaching this type of military strategy? Well, listen, first you go around your enemy, and you have your priest, and they'll blow the horns, and then the men of war could leap ahead. But you just march around, and you don't say a word. And then you do that for one day, two days, three days. Well, what if the people come rushing out of the city and attack you? What if they stand on the walls and throw boulders down and shoot arrows at you? What if this happens? What if that happens? God doesn't work the way we work. He wants us to recognize that our own hand cannot secure the victory and that he has to protect us. And that the battle is his. His strange ways sometimes. In 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 to 4, it reads, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Now picture Joshua going back, saying to the other leaders, saying to his officers and to the men, here's the plan. We're going to march around. All right. Um, how about maybe some arrows, Joshua? No, no, no. Well, how about some ladders? We'll try and scale the wall. You know, we have some good battering rams. We'll go against the... No, none of that. None of that, Joshua? None of that? How many of you know we don't fight battles like the world fights battles? So-and-so gossiped against you. Okay, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Not really. You speak well of them. Hmm. Someone misuses you. You're kind to them. The weapons of our warfare are not like the world. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. We fight battles differently. We fight with the grace of God. And we fight His way. But God, they're going to laugh at me. Well, I could picture that first day as they're marching around the wall. The second day went by, nothing happened. And so they start heckling Him. And God said in His word, that they were to just be silent, not say a word. Sometimes God says, listen, let me take care of you. Let me fight your battles. Let me defend you. In Isaiah 55, 8, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord's. 
As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Sometimes what God asks you to do doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense. But it's ours to obey, not to understand. Do you think they understood what they were doing? Do you think they understood everything? They didn't understand it. And sometimes God just says, listen, you obey me. You listen to me. You walk in this path of obedience. And I will... But, but, but God! But God, don't you know? Well, God knows. Now, we've looked at God's unusual strategy. Man's usual strongholds. In verse 1 it says, they held the city tightly. In Jericho, they, they closed everything down. It says, now Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. In the passage that we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, it reads that our weapons that we fight with, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Do you know every single one you have a Jericho? Now, your Jericho may not be my Jericho, and my Jericho may not be your Jericho, but we all have Jerichos. Uh, some people's Jericho is the green eye of envy. They've grown up, and someone, maybe in their family or a friend, did far better than they, their family, their, their lifestyle. They've succeeded, and you eye that person. Some people's Jericho is some habit that they're battling with in their lives. And it seems like it's keeping them from being all that God wants them to be. Uh, some people's Jericho is an unforgiving spirit. Resentment that rises up again and again and keeps them from going further in and deeper down in God. Some people's Jericho is some loss in your life. Maybe it was a family member. Maybe it was a job. Something that, that's happened in your life. And it just is a Jericho to you. There are Jerichos represented here. And God has a strategy for you to win. And that's my third point. Winning the battle. Winning. In 6.2 it reads, Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I've delivered Jericho into your hands along with this king and fighting man. Now, I have delivered. That's a prophetic perfect in the Hebrew. God was saying, it's already done. It's already accomplished. Just believe it. Just trust me. Just believe it. I've done it. They were commanded not to say a word. Speechless sounds of obedience. Speechless sounds of obedience. Here they were, walking around. They get back to the camp. The wives say, what did you do today? Well, we walked around. Well, what did you talk about? No, we, we couldn't talk. So they go out the next day, and they come back to the camp. The children gather around. The wives gather around. What happened? The well, same as yesterday. And the third day, and the fourth day, and the fifth day. and the... God's interested that they just obey. See, the key is the fight was fixed. It was fixed. All God wants you to do is stay in the ring. He fixed it back on Calvary when he allowed Satan to bruise his heel and he crushed the head of Satan. And all God 
to us and say, stay in there. Stay in there. We want to encourage you to share this message with your friends and family. We know that God's Word never returns void. We've made it really simple. Visit buildinginfaithradio.com and click on today's date. Then you can share today's message on your Facebook page and Twitter feed, or even download a copy to share. Again, that's all available at buildinginfaithradio.com. To learn more about Building in Faith, or to get a free copy of today's teaching, simply log on to buildinginfaithradio.com. That's buildinginfaithradio.com. Although Building in Faith is a huge blessing, we pray that it's not your only source for the teaching of the Word of God. It is our hope that you're attending a church that teaches God's Word from beginning to end. If not, we'd like to invite you to join us at Faith Assembly for Worship on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. For service times, driving directions, and more information, log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and follow the link to Faith Assembly. Or feel free to give us a call at 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Building in Faith with Dr. Ed Jones. Please join us next time as Pastor Ed continues teaching verse by verse through the book of Joshua, right here on Building in Faith. Your word restores.